KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. Thursday, Thursday's Shir, the series on redemptive sketches with Harav Moshe Tarigan. The Shirim this week are dedicated to Rufua Shlema for Sarah Rivka Bat Dvora. And we pray that the Shrut of Hafatzata Torah, Vizimut Torah Barabim, Yamodla, Rufua Shlema, Ula Hama Mehira, Fort and Nepesh or Fort Aguf, Ashtab Karif. Having described sensitivity to the Jewish historical process as one of the primary components of religious experience and Avodah Hashem, I would like to address the mystery or the riddle of Jewish history. In Yirmiyah Paraglamid Beis, the notion that Jewish history is a riddle is mystifying, cannot be understood in rational terms. This notion is first distilled. Yirmiyah stands amidst the ruins of a quickly crumbling Yerushalayim. The city has not yet fallen to Nebuchadnezzar and his mercenaries, but it is inevitable. Hashem has just dispatched Yirmiyah to deliver a message. Very often a Navi delivers a verbal message articulating a prophecy or a warning. Sometimes a Navi delivers a message with his behavior. He serves as a metaphor in his behavior to establish a certain message or prophecy. In this instance, Yirmiyah has not been delivered with a message, a verbal one, but he's been asked to purchase land amidst the ruins of Yushalayim as an omen or as a signal that one day there'll be redemption. One day this city will arise, one day the city will be reconstructed. So in Parak Lamed Beis, Yirmi has been instructed to purchase land, and the purchase has just been effected. Pasuk Tezayin, Yirmiya begins, Having already delivered or issued the contract for this land, having received the contract for the land which he just purchased, Yirmiya prays to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Aha Hashem Elokim, Pasuk Yud Zayin. Hinei ata asisas hashamayim ve'esaretz bechochacha gadol uvezrocha netuya lo yipalei mimcha kol davar. Yirmiya begins his tefillah by acknowledging HaKadosh Baruch Hu's impenetrable wisdom. He, he establishes, or he, he asserts his own recognition that the Rabboni Shalom is inscrutable and unknowable. And in Pasuk Yudzayin, he employs language which affirms that recognition. You crafted the heavens and the earth. Nothing is truly mysterious. Nothing is impossible for you. And Yirmiyah includes two or three psukim which, which reflect or which inform us of his acknowledgement of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unknowability. Pasuk Yudtes. Gedol Haitzah. Verav Haliliyah, the possessor of wisdom, Asherinacha Pikuchos Al Kol Darche Bene Adam, your eyes roam the entire universe to attend to each person's needs. Yirmiyah begins his tefillah and begins his challenge, so to speak, of a Baruch Hu, with his recognition of Hashem's superiority and transcendence. These are classic lines spoken by the Navi, 
lines that are very reminiscent of the message delivered to Eov, Eov suffers on a personal level and questions HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and each of his friends descend upon his sickbed to try to rationalize or justify the ways of God to Eov, and ultimately the message is safer Eov, the message delivered to Eov is that you can't understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so don't try, don't arrogate, don't assume that you can rationalize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's decisions in human terms. So Yumi essentially established these, or these ideas as a precondition. I know that I can't understand. I know that your ways are perplexing. I know that your maintenance of our world is a riddle. But. And the but begins in Pasach Havbeis. Hineha salalos bo ha'ir the ramparts. Ramparts which were built to um, ascend the city walls. The ramparts have already been built, and the custom these ferocious warriors, have already laid siege to the city. This is, this is Yirmiyah's voice a few hours before Yushalayim falls. The first base I make the first korban. Swords, weapons, famine, pestilence. The city's crumbling. And yet you tell me, Purchase land, assemble witnesses, craft, formulate documents. Basically, Yermia turns to Kodesh Baruch Hu, turns towards heaven and says, This is too much. I'm a Navi and I understand the Eov message, but it's too ridiculous. It's too preposterous for me to be purchasing land. He's speaking about redemption amidst these ruins. Hashem responds in Pasach HaVav, I am indeed the master, the God of all men, of all creatures. You yourself acknowledged in Pasach Yuzayin, that nothing is hidden, nothing is mysterious, nothing is impossible for me. And I'm just affirming that even this, even this seemingly incongruous juxtaposition of ruin and redemption. The city is falling in the empirical world, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu is building and sowing the seeds of redemption. It's not impossible. You see ruin, and I see redemption. And at that moment, in Yirmiya Paraklamid Beis, the first moment of mass or national gullus, the terminology of Pella is crystallized as the definition or the phrase which best captures the essence of Jewish history and in this case of redemption that it will not be rational it will not be neatly packaged in cognitive conventions of the human mind it can't be simply articulated through ration Hamimeni Yipalei Kol Am Yisrael stood at the Yamsuf Micha Mocha Ba'idim Hashem Micha Mocha they already saw and they witnessed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu acts in ways that are unnatural or contrary to the natural order. But at this first moment, on the perch of Galus, Yirmiyah is reminded that Jewish history, Jewish redemption, Jewish suffering, will be disproportionate, will be irrational, will be unable or impenetrable to human scrutiny, to the human mind. It's a message which is first delivered to Yirmiya in Paraklamid Beis, and it is subsequently reissued to Zechariah. 
Zechariah doesn't speak of Galus, who doesn't live through, or Zechariah speak primarily of Gula. And Zechariah is a highly apocalyptic Navi. His Navi's, his prophecies generally address the ultimate Gula. In Parachas, Zechariah describes the ultimate redemption in very familiar terms. Elderly people will once again bestride the streets of Yushalayim carrying walking canes because of advanced age. The streets will be filled with children scurrying and scampering, playing with one another. Very strange images for apocalypse. Typically we assume that the apocalypse possesses cataclysmic moments, oceans being stilled, mountains being pulverized, planets being sacked. And Zechariah's apocalypse is very pastoral, very routine. Children elderly people sadly enough what is routine for most nations that people grow old to the point that they're forced to carry walking sticks the children enjoy themselves freely in the streets of their playgrounds these are scenes that are normal to most but for us are atypical when in our history when in the last 2,000 years have we been privileged to live in peace and calm to advance in age and to allow the freedom to our children to run freely in the streets. Rav Amital told us that when he escaped the Holocaust, he attended the yeshiva in Givat Mordechai, the Hebron yeshiva. He would pass by the playground on the way to yeshiva every morning and stand mesmerized by the sight of children playing in playgrounds. Those same eyes that had witnessed children being gunned down in the streets of Europe we're now beholding the prophecies of Zechariah being fulfilled. HaKadosh Baruch Hu concludes this prophecy to Zechariah. Ko amar Hashem tzivakos ki yipalei beinei sheiris ha'am hazeh bayamim ha'aim the remaining community fortunate enough to live through this apocalypse and to witness the redemptive era that audience will be shocked will be astonished by these visions. Hashem concedes in a very, very powerful phraseology, I will also be shocked. Of course, nothing shocks Hashem, but this is an anthropomorphism intended to highlight the perplexity of the scene. What is so perplexing? What is so strange? These pastoral scenes. What is normal for most nations is atypical and apocalyptic for Jews. And once again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu applies this terminology of Pele to capture the essence of Jewish history, both in its redemptive moments as well as in its moments of suffering. Pele, ki Pele beni Jewish history, Jewish redemption, cannot be neatly packaged into the rational mind, can't be simply graphed through some proportionate or symmetrical sine curve. That is precisely what makes our history and our experience redemptive. The fact that it is irrational, the fact that it is unyielding to the human mind. We attempt to redeem and to improve our world with the best and most of our faculties, and when we're unable to redeem it, 
completely through human faculty, through human facility. HaKadosh Baruch Hu descends into history and redeems the world for us in a way which transcends or surpasses human ration or human effort. That's precisely what makes it redemptive. The fact that we can't understand, we can't rationalize, we can't predict how and when, through which agents HaKadosh Baruch Hu redeems us. This notion that Jewish geula, Jewish redemption, Jewish experience, is irrational, is a mystery, can be defined by the term Pella, was subsequently sensed or grasped hundreds of years later by Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, the consummate outsider, someone who was not trained in Torah for 40 years, so he enjoys a perspective that's a bit creative and a bit fresh, and very often he's able to deliver that perspective when others can't, to achieve that vision when others aren't able to. Very famous Gemara in the end of Makos. Shuv Pam, Chavdal and in Makos, Rabbi Akiva walks through Jerusalem with his colleagues. And they arrive at Haran Sophim, one of the adjacent mountains to the Beis HaMikdash. They finally pass to Harabayas, to the actual mountain of the Beis HaMikdash, and they see rodents, a shewel, a fox, or some other wild animals scampering <coughs> through the Kodesh HaKadashim. They begin to cry, Heschilu hein bochin, and they cry and he laughs the question why do you laugh and he questions back why do you cry and they justify their cry for the obvious reason a place which was so sacred sacred and holy even human beings could only enter once a year the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur now is the host to foxes and residents to trash and rubble and Bikiva says it is precisely for this reason that I laugh this is a well-known Gemara, but the details of Rabbi Akiva's laugh are sometimes less scrutinized. Akiva didn't just laugh because he expected redemption. He laughed based on a pasuk in Yeshaya. Yeshaya juxtaposes two Nevi'im who spoke of, of different things. In Yeshaya's pasuk, he juxtaposes a Nevuah from Uriah HaChiti, with the Nevuah, the aforementioned Nevuah of Zechariah. Uriah Chiti's Nevuah, regarding the Churm Beis HaMikdash, was that one day foxes and hounds would scamper across its ruins. Lachain Biglalchem Tzion Tzadat Yecharesh. Zechariah's Nevuah, Od Yeshvu Zekenim Uzekenos Berchavos Yushalayim, the Nevuah we read a moment ago, regarding the apocalyptic return to Yushalayim, the children, the elderly people, enjoying their strolls through the streets of Jerusalem. Yeshaya, in one of uh, his prophecies, in Parakhas, Pasuk Beis, Yeshaya gathers Uriah Hachiti, or he assigns Uriah Hachiti and Zechariah with the task of his edim, sort of witnessing or co-signing with his nevuah. What do these two nevim have in common that they are collected by Yeshaya in Parakhas, via Idali Aidim Neemanim, Asariha Koin, via Sakharia Ben Yivarachya. What do Uriah Koin and Zakharia Ben Yivarachya have in common? I may have said Uriah Khiti, I apologize, Uriah Koin. So Bikiva sensed that by affixing or tethering these two Navim, Zakhari Yeshai in effect creates a dependency between Uriah's Navua that 
Tzion will one day be raised to the land, will be demolished, and Zechariah's nevuah of Geula. Tala HaKasav Nevuasal Shel Uriah Benevuasal Shel Zechariah By juxtaposing these two Nevi'im, Sefer Yeshaya establishes a dependency. Zechariah's nevuah of redemption can only be can only be fulfilled, can only come true once Uriah's nevuah of destruction of, des- of uh, demolishing Yerushalayim is fulfilled. gathers until I saw Uriah's prophecy unfolding, the scampering foxes. I feared that Zechariah's nevuah would not be fulfilled. Having witnessed Uriah's Nevoah, having seen these foxes, I'm confident that Zechariah's Nevoah will eventualize. I believe Rabbi Kiva saw more of a relationship and a correspondence between Zechariah and Uriah more than just their casual inclusion into one Pasuk. Indeed, Uriah spoke of destruction and Zechariah of redemption. But they each fingered a common thread. Rome conquered many different cultures. They were the empire, the superpower of their day. They discovered two secrets in sustaining their empire. They were vicious, they were military juggernaut, but they recognized that the cultures that they conquered had to be sustained rather than overwhelmed and overrun. By sustaining their victims, they were able to generate both currency in the forms of tribute, wealth, as well as mercenaries, people to be drafted into their armies. So they conquered many nations, they murdered many soldiers, but they didn't attempt to abolish their cultures, rather to subjugate them underneath Roman rule and Roman culture. However, there was one culture, there was one community, they didn't merely battle against, but they chased, they persecuted. They collected its ten leaders throughout many years, and murdered them in vicious and cruel fashion, the Asara Hurge Malchus, Rabbi Akiva, and his colleagues. They didn't just enter its capital and conquer it, but they burned its temple, raised it to the ground, salted the earth, renamed the area, reissued currency, gathered its vessels back to Rome on boats and ships. There was one nation, one victim of Rome, which was submitted to disproportionate suffering, disproportionate assault. Sion Sada Teharesh, when Uriah articulates the degree to which Rome attacked Jerusalem, he was essentially, essentially highlighting the disproportionate nature of Jewish history when we suffer, when we're exiled, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu delivers us into our enemy's hands. The hatred is not proportionate. The destruction is not common. The attack is not in line with Rome's attack and assault of other nations. So Bikiva gathered that Uriah spoke of the disproportionate nature of Jewish history in times of suffering. Having recognized that Uriah's prophecy was indeed a reality, having witnessed and lived through, personally suffering through Rome's attack on Jerusalem, Bikiva now realized the mystery of Jewish history. The Jews do not operate under the same rules and conditions which govern human history. We are not a nation submitted to history. We are a nation of history. We author history. We participate in determining history. And very often history is more unyielding and less accommodating than we would hope and like. 
and the subjects or the intended recipients of our message seethe with hostility at our very message and willing to accept our message they respond with hatred with cruelty and with discrimination having recognized the riddle of Jewish history the, mis- the mystery of Jewish history latent in Uriah's statement Mikiva then realized that Zechariah's definition or Zechariah's prophecy of the Pella of Gula would also come true Rikiva sensed the dependency between Uriah and Zechariah, not just textually or linguistically, because their names happen to appear alongside each other in a Pasuk in Yeshaya. He sensed a thematic consistency, a thematic parallel. They each recognized the riddle and the mysteriousness of Jewish history at different stages of Jewish history. They're almost an inverse but identical nevuah. This is the lineage of the concept of Pella. It was first stated to Yermia, subsequently delivered to Zechariah. And Rabbi Kiva was able to appreciate this mystery and ultimately provide some degree of solace to his suffering colleagues who responded, Akiva Nichamtano, Akiva Nichamtano. I believe there's a parallel legacy, parallel to the legacy of Pella, there's a parallel word which Nevi'im employed to try to capture the, the perplexity, the, the confounding nature of Jewish history and a confounding perplexity which highlights our unique role in history that our history will not be rhythmic or will not be neatly packaged as a history of other nations the Medrash in the beginning of Echa states as follows Shloshan Nisnabu Belashan Echa Three prophets employed the term Echa. Moshe, Yeshayahu, the Yermia. Moshe Amar, Echa Asalavadi, Tarchachem, Virivchem, Umasachem. Moshe employs the term in Parshas Devarim, describing the population expl- explosion of Am Yisrael and his uh, inability to govern them exclusively ultimately appointing a bureaucracy of judges and assistants. Yeshaya Amar, Echa Haisalazona, Kiryane Amana, after we read on Shabbos Chazon, remarking on the precipitous fall of Jerusalem's morality, a city that had been associated with tzedek, with justice and ethics, now became a haven for liars and for harlots. Yirmiya Amar, Echa Yeshva Badar Ha'ira how did a nation, how did a metropolis that had been so populated and so busy, center of the earth, culturally, commercially, how did it become desolate and abandoned? Three prophets, different times of history, the same word. But not just different phases of history, but different stages of the Jewish experience. The message continues. Moshe saw the Jewish people during times of prosperity and tranquility. Yeshaya saw them during their deterioration, their moral deterioration. How did a city that was so attuned to the moral and ethical message of Torah, how did they allow this moral unraveling? Yermia saw them when they had been plundered, disfigured by their attackers, by Nebuchadnezzar. If Chazal highlight the word Echa as a common thread unifying Moshe, Yeshaya, and Yirmiya, 
then evidently the word possesses more than just casual or peripheral meaning. Chazal provide many drushos for the word Eicha. But at its root, the term refers to the question how. And not the inquisitive how, but the rhetorical how. Sometimes a person employs the term how to recover some information, to acquire some knowledge. How, how to get somewhere, how to build something, how to make, a, how to make something. <clears throat> Sometimes a person asks how, when an event is just so overwhelming and so intimidating intellectually, he's unable to grasp its full dimension, that he's just left to wonder, how could something like this happen? How? When, it's like when something tragic occurs, sometimes you just say, how? We're just left almost speechless. And how is the only word we can muster, but we don't expect a reply. The term Eicha, then, becomes the theme and the phrase that both Moshe, Yeshaya, and Yirmi apply to the, perplex, to the perplexing nature of Jewish history. They each experienced Jewish history at different phases. Moshe Rabbeinu during moments of prosperity. How could a nation, which a few months ago was a nation of slaves, intellectually, experientially subjugated and suppressed, how could they expand so rapidly? How could their needs be so overwhelming? How could there be such an awakening, a spiritual awakening? How could a band of slaves... How could a band of slaves receive the Torah and, 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 be, and, and create such a challenge from a managerial standpoint beyond Moshe's impressive, formidable means? It's unnatural. It's unpredictable. But it reflects the unique dynamic of Jewish history. We're not just a nation, nation marching through the desert, but we bore HaKadosh Baruch Hu's emblem. We were His holy nation. Mountains fleed from us. Waters withdrew. We carried our degels and Sefer Abnet Bamidbar and we became the campment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So our phenomenal exponential growth was unnatural because of our transcendent, almost celestial identity. How could we deteriorate? How could we become so demoralized in Yerushalayim? We had everything. Throne, sovereignty, nation, Beis HaMikdash, Torah. How could, we, how could we allow such a rapid deterioration to murder, to prostitution, to lying, dishonesty? Unfortunately, when we sin, we sin also disproportionate to other nations. The expectations of Am Yisrael are greater, and ultimately our betrayal is more severe. Treated with greater gravity and greater magnitude. Yeshaya says, Echa Haisal Zona, Kiryane Mana, Malayasi Mishpat, Tzedek Yalinba, Vyatamer Atzchim. But he captures the same gist that Am Yisrael cannot be understood through rational, expected terms. And Yermia, sadly, lamentably, employs that term when he witnesses the quick quick destruction of Jerusalem, the dramatic turnover from a city that had been populated by throngs of people, Rabbi Siyam, Haisak Kalmanaz, now widowed, a metropolis, a cultural center, Rabbi Siba Goyim, Lamas, now is forced to pay tribute. But this is the thread which unifies <coughs> all three Nevi'im. This is the thread of Eicha, 
a different but parallel term which captures the mystery of Jewish history, of Jewish suffering, and ultimately of Jewish redemption. These two terms, Pela and Echa, remind us of the obvious. Jewish history cannot be paralleled or compared to other nations. Our unique status launched at the Brisbane Abyssarim, reaffirmed during the exodus from Mitzrayim, Achodesh Hazelachem Rosh Chadashim, privileges us to glory and exposes us to incredible suffering. Appreciating redemption, being able to participate, to discern redemption, requires first the recognition that Jewish history in general and the redemptive closure of history in particular are not necessarily processes or phenomena that could be grasped through rational, predictable terms. The rational eye must be closed and the imaginative vision unlocked to sense with our imagination HaKadosh Baruch Hu's redemptive call. Mir Hashem, as I will discuss in future shiurim, the redemptive events of the past 60 to 100 years for Am Yisrael have not necessarily occurred <coughs> in the way we would expect them to occur. Through the agents, through the messengers that we would expect HaKadosh Baruch Hu to send us. For some, this unexpected and unlikely chain of events is cause enough to reject them. If it were really redemptive, then it should have occurred differently. It should have occurred in a more expected fashion. And that's just the point. Nothing about Jewish history is expected. Nothing about Jewish history is predictable. Certainly not the redemptive closure, which is a Kurdish Baruch's attempt to descend into our world and redeem it beyond their own capacity.